0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. My name's Charlotte, I'm Patient Advocacy Manager here at Leukemia Care. So this month, you'll notice something different if you're a regular listener. I've been feeling a little under the weather, so our usually behind-the-scenes producer of the pod, Justin,
1: has taken the reins. With Blood Cancer Awareness Month and the Spot Leukemia campaign right around the corner, it's only fair that we talk all things diagnosis. On this month's episode of Leukemia Chatters, I spoke to Aileen, an APML patient diagnosed in 2018 we discussed all matters concerning her diagnosis, including the symptoms that rang alarm bells for her, how she pursued them with the healthcare system, and the impact that her out-of-the-blue diagnosis had on her and her family. Hi, Alien. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. No, I really appreciate you taking the time. It sounds like 2018 is where it all started for you. So talk us through it.
2: I had just gone back to work from maternity leave Um, I felt really really tired and found even getting up in the morning really difficult and I put that down to being a busy new mum who went back to work as basic as that and as the days went on I started to notice I came out in bruises really large unusual bruises across my chest and stomach And again, sort of wrote that off, perhaps maybe an iron disorder. So, you know, just maybe not quite ticking on properly, but left it. And then perhaps sort of between seven and 10 days after that, the bruises were completely black, very, very dark and were not getting better. So I made an appointment with my GP.
1: I'm interested to talk about the tiredness that you're experiencing at this time. Obviously, we throw around terms like tiredness and fatigue, which... In themselves can be quite vague and quite abstract. So I'm quite keen to hear about what was your day to day lived experience like living with that tiredness? What were you feeling? What were you experiencing at that time?
2: So the fatigue, you know, I've, I was shift worker, um, I was used to that I'd had a baby, uh, she was around about 18 months old at the time. So you know, you get used to being tired uh, as a mum to a young, uh, a young toddler. And it was probably really only as the days went on when I found myself standing in the shower, propped against the shower, unable to really get out of the shower, cancelling playdates with um, my daughter and her friends, because I just felt too tired really to get organised and you know put that effort into really getting ready. And it was probably when these things started to happen that I thought, I, you know, something's really wrong here, I need to do
1: something about this. Wow. Not being able to get out of the shower, that is sounds scary and in- intense time for you there yeah like, how was it? yeah
2: uh, you know uh, that it was at that, probably that day you know i thought i'm standing in the shower i was just the water was running over me and i just couldn't even have the energy to turn the shower off and you know that effort to get organized in the morning found it really difficult
1: so for you then it was this fatigue and these bruises over the course of a steadily escalating week week and a half and you notice these issues and you raise them with your GP. What was what was your GP's initial reaction to, to your symptoms?
2: The GP, I went to see them about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the GP was brilliant. So he originally said, look, I think you have a blood disorder called ITP, and you need to go to the hospital tonight for a blood transfusion, and you'll be um, probably off work for around, you know, I can't remember if he said between six weeks and six months. So it's fairly serious, but really, really flexible. And the one of the things he said was these things can be caused by things like leukemia, but I don't think it's that right now. Um, so he printed me off a sheet um, with the information of what ITP was. And he said, you know, I'm going to, your blood's going, can um, your blood's going to the hospital, the local hospital for a review right now. Go home and pack a bag for the hospital tonight and I'll phone you in an hour when your bloods are back. So he was taking it quite seriously from the off. But again, I think that was because of the size and severity of the bruises on my on my stomach. And now when I look back at it. Um, so I went home, I packed my overnight bag literally one night's worth of clothes and toiletries Um, in between that time I picked my daughter up for nursery from nursery took her home phoned my husband and said look gonna have to go to hospital here you know need to get child care um, so you know it was all kind of okay this isn't great but you know it's not a uh, not horrendous we can you know let's just get this fixed so the GP then phoned me about an hour later and he said, yeah, your platelets are six and that's not good. And I didn't know anything about what platelets should be or probably even what platelets were. Probably have very basic knowledge of the human body at that point. Um, so he said, you need to go to a right now and we need to get you booked in. Again, still thinking it was ITP and I would stay overnight. So... My husband took me to a and I was booked in, got my white band around my wrist ready for admission to the ward here. Um, and then things got a little bit different. Um, I was told to wait in the A&E reception. I'd had a second blood test just on arrival at the, the hospital. And I could see uh, the hospital doctor was on the telephone in a sort of side room. And the A&E doctor took myself and my husband probably about half an hour later into uh, one of the consulting rooms in A&E and he said, eh, we think you've got leukaemia, you're going in the ambulance that's out there just now straight to the Beetson Cancer Hospital in Glasgow. And that's what happened.
1: I mean, that that seven to ten day window was such a quick escalation and kind of acceleration of things from... From no symptoms at all, it sounds like. Yeah,
2: so I went to the GPs at perhaps maybe three o'clock in the afternoon and I'd say this was probably then about half past five after the second blood test. Yep.
1: That Friday must have been... Things just kind of accelerated. Things accelerated so much for you on that day there.
0: What are you planning to achieve this year? Does it include free falling from 15,000 feet? Maybe flying on a zip wire is more your thing. Join Team LC this year, raising vital funds, as well as your pulse rate. We'll support you all the way in raising the money. The question is, are you brave enough to take on the challenge? Simply search online for Leukaemia Care Zip Wire or Leukaemia Care Skydive to find out more.
1: And it sounds like your GP immediately suspected this ITP, this this blood disorder. As far as you're aware, do they have kind of any history? Do they have any prior knowledge of? I
2: don't know. I I don't know. But the, the GP is just obviously really, really on on the ball. Um. So I I mean I don't know quite what happened. Obviously they did the second blood test, and my platelets were obviously really low, and my white cells were obviously like twenty five point eight or something. You know, just everything they could tell. I mean I know now I could read that and go, oh my goodness, that's like you know definitely cancer um there because you know i consider myself a a hematological consultant now myself <laughs> 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 because you, you that though. it's another coping mechanism you know I need to know what's going on with my bloods all the time so I've taught myself to be able to read them and you know even you know the smallest uh, symptom you know I, I, I kind of uh, keep on top of now so again I think that's probably just a, a coping, mes- coping mechanism.
1: No it's far more common than I think you'd, you'd imagine. In those early days some patients really take to arming themselves with knowledge and information and knowing as much as they can, really. Uh, obviously, as, as being thrown headfirst into this world of blood cancer.
2: That's me. That's me.
1: And when you were referred to the hospital at that point, it sounds like you weren't too overly concerned at that point. It sounded just, you were going through the motions a bit. You had this ITP diagnosis, in for a night. It was just something yeah. you were going to have to deal with.
2: Yeah, you know, he said ITP and he said, you know, it's quite serious. But he really reassured me. He gave me an information sheet which I read because, again, I didn't know anything about blood disorders or cancers or leukemia. And I should say, when I went to the GP, blood cancer or cancer of any kind certainly was not in my mind as to what was going on with my body. It was more... Uh, perhaps some sort of uh, deficiency in a mineral or a vitamin or, you know, just maybe needing help over the line, getting back into the string of things after pregnancy. You know, it was those kind of things I was thinking. Um, so when the AE doctor said, we think you've got leukaemia, it was, you know, just mind-blowing, completely mind-blowing, considering it was, you know, we've basically got two minutes to process this, you need to get in the ambulance and uh, yeah, they'll they'll tell you more when you get there. You know, it was it was horrendous. I mean, it's a two-hour drive from where I live to the cancer hospital, so I had two hours in the back of an ambulance, not knowing what was going to happen or you know exactly what was going on with my body, and you know the ambulance technicians were doing their best to just reassure me, but. Uh, you know, two hours basically sitting in a box, not knowing what's going to happen, feeling really, really sick. Um, It was, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. It wasn't a nice journey, considering I also, the ambulance drove past the house where I knew my daughter was. You know, it was, it was really hard mentally to process that, that quickly.
1: No, of course. And I can only imagine it was exacerbated by the fact that the the shock nature of this diagnosis and and, and the speed of this escalation over the course of the last week, week and a half?
2: When I immediately walked into the hospital with the ambulance staff, I was put in a room and basically the consultant came in instantly and she said, I know, uh, you don't know me, but I know a lot about you. And she had already diagnosed me um, in the time it took me to get there. And she was able to say, this is completely curable. Um, We're gonna, but we're gonna start treatment right now. So we need to give you medication right now. This is obviously, you know, seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. And she said, "Eh, we'll talk more in the morning, but just now we need to start treatment and, and, and get going. But she really reassured me at that point that there would be an end point and it would be a positive outcome.
1: Uh, and it sounds like for you, you were quite in tune with your body and you you noticed these changes fairly quickly and you knew that these things weren't normal for you.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'd always felt like I'd been really in tune with my body. Um, you know, again, maybe it's just a natural thing, particularly when a woman is pregnant, you, you feel everything that's going on. And, and looking back on it now... Uh, with reflection I really knew that you know uh, um, maybe it's a bit dramatic to say that I felt that like my body was shutting down but I really actually felt really unwell you know I was sore I was tired you know I had the little dots on my wrists and ankles and I wondered you know what is that you know I, I, my gums my, I were bleeding you know I think you know all these things like you know what what is wrong with me it's just this it's not normal so you know ultimately that all as a whole picture, what drove me to go to
1: the GP. No, that's a great message to get out there. Um, It's it's one that we're trying to champion throughout spot leukaemia. It's about knowing your body and knowing what's normal and what isn't. It might not even be anything to do with leukaemia. It's just about knowing when something is persistent and abnormal for you, then it's time to kind of flag that and pursue that with your local healthcare professionals. It's better to know that and pursue that earlier, even if it isn't leukemia, rather than the alternative, which is to ignore it yeah. and sit on it, where potentially the stakes could be a lot higher if you leave things later.
2: I found the webinars really interesting, again, because I think of the lack of information you're given during treatment. And if you are given information, often at the time, it just it's just in one ear, out the other. So at the time I think I didn't really take in a lot of the information and my husband did. And so after treatment I actually went back to your YouTube channel and watched a lot of your webinars. Most recently there was one on acute lymphoblastic leukaemia which I found really useful.
0: Leukaemia Care's informational webinars are about the topics that matter to you, whether that be the current news in Covid, the latest developments in treatment and much more. You can hear from patients and healthcare professionals alike providing insight on all things leukaemia Watching it live even lets you post questions directly to those panels. Find out when our next webinar is scheduled by heading on over to our social media or our website. Or to watch those you've already missed, check out our YouTube channel.
1: And I wanted to follow up on something you mentioned: the, the rash you spoke of, the petechiae. Was that there for the entire time? Kind of, did you notice that immediately? Kind of, what were you feeling about that as well, being kind of part of your symptoms?
2: I don't know. I probably, I really only noticed it on my ankles, maybe the day or so before, and again wondered, you know, what's that? What's going on here? You know, with everything that was going on, and it was really when I got to onto the ward in Glasgow, and the the nurses were you know assessing me, and they and they were saying, you know, look at this, and they were able to tell me there and then, and again that kind of reassured me a little bit that that was part of what was going on as well. So, again, um, I couldn't have been any more classic in in symptoms.
1: In terms of your prior knowledge of leukaemia before this week, what did you know? Did you have much knowledge? Talk me through it.
2: To put it bluntly, I thought leukaemia was something, you know, that unfortunately young children have or older people. You know, as a healthy, bouncing around, 34-year-old, enjoying life, married, young child, you know, it wasn't even a consideration it just wasn't something that i thought could affect no, me
1: exactly no
2: not 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 in a in a you know sort of cocky or you know i was just living my life and you know and um, being healthy i was a really healthy a healthy young woman um and always tried to be healthy so you know another part of the message would be you know, it can happen to anyone, no matter what stage of life or what state of health you have. You know, I ate well, I exercised loads, um, you know, got out in the fresh air. And, you know, this still is something that uh, affected me. So it it can be anyone at any time.
1: And I think what you've touched on there rings very, very true for a lot of the British population. Uh, I think there are the, the misconceptions around who could get leukemia or who can get leukemia i think there's the very common misconception that it's a it's a children's cancer and that it's yep. it only affects the under 18s yeah um so no you're very very right there and i wanted to ask actually was there anyone with you with diagnosis
2: when i was in AE, my husband was with me so when we were there the a and doctor Um, who was a young guy, you know, he just basically told it how it was. His words were, we think you've got leukaemia. There's an ambulance here and you need to go to the Beetson Cancer Care Hospital in Glasgow right now. So he said, I'll give you a minute with your husband. So I think I cried and hugged my husband. And then it was, you know, like, "Okay, organisation mode. You need to go home. We need to get childcare sorted. And he said, just leave that with me. Um, I got into the ambulance with my small overnight bag, with nothing else in it apart from my jammies and my toothbrush, and uh, he would eventually follow me down. Um, you know, a couple of hours or maybe even, you know half an hour later in in the car.
1: And with things escalating and accelerating so quickly, I'm going to assume that the the responsibility of sharing the news of your diagnosis and the situation that you were in. Failed to your husband
2: yeah I, I didn't i couldn't i couldn't process it myself like i couldn't phone my mom i couldn't text anyone i was sitting in the ambulance just uh, i don't just wondering what my future was going to be rather than trying to get the message out there so it was completely down to my husband to inform everyone
1: no of course that's very understandable I think at that point, you were still very much coming to terms with that diagnosis yourself, yeah. let alone bearing the responsibility of, kind of bringing anyone else up to speed on the matter. And everything that we've talked about today, be that diagnosis or the symptoms, it all kind of ties together into this September's Spot Leukemia campaign. Running during Blood Cancer Awareness Month, the Spot Leukemia campaign is all about spreading awareness of the signs and symptoms of leukemia and getting that message out there, really with prior knowledge of the symptoms of leukaemia the aim is to get earlier diagnoses which can lead patients to have greater treatment options and potentially save their life so in your eyes why is a campaign like that important because
2: people don't know i didn't know what the symptoms were. I thought I had something else going on when really I was classic in my symptoms. I had the bruising, I had the fatigue, a general feeling of being very unwell, uh, bleeding gums. I mean, it doesn't get any more classic than that. And it still took me, you know, seven to 10 days to get myself to the GP. And I'm just very lucky that the NHS put me into the system, you know, within hours.
1: And the final question that we always try to ask on the podcast is if you had a piece of advice to give to another patient or someone recently diagnosed, for example, what would that piece of advice be?
2: The early days are tough. But look what you can be doing in, you know, four years time, you know, the hair loss is only for a few months. And uh, you know I'm back to work. I I'm living healthy. You know, my family life is couldn't be any better. So you've just got to um uh, find the positives if you can. And it's so cheesy, but uh, you know it's the small things that that keep you going. Really, it's the small things.
1: Hey, Alien, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and talk me through your diagnosis story. I really do appreciate it.
2: Great to be able to. Uh, tell people exactly how it is, you know. I think my story is kind of a wild one because of the the quickness of diagnosis. So, and I think that could be a really encouraging story for people, you know, that if they feel scared of going to the doctors or whatever, you know, you could literally be getting fixed that same day.
1: From those of you who want to hear more from Eliane, her story, or other diagnosis stories, then you can head on over to the Leukemia Care website, where you can find our inspirational stories section. For any more information regarding diagnosis, symptoms, or patient stories, head on over to spotleukemia.org.uk. And keep an eye on our social media this Blood Cancer Awareness Month for patient stories, information, resources, and more.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. For more information and support from Leukaemia Care, go to our website, leukemiacare.org.uk, or call our helpline on 080-88-010-444. See you next month.